Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Sports Today with Francis. This is the World Cup edition. It is Thursday, December 8th. We are ready. We've gone two whole days without any more football to watch in the World Cup. But tomorrow, Friday at 10 a.m., we get the first game of the quarterfinals. The teams are now set. It is Brazil, Croatia, followed by Argentina and the Netherlands. And then on Saturday, it is Morocco pulling up the op- up, pulling up the upset over Spain, facing Portugal. And after that, it is the big one. It is England versus France. And before we get into the teams, I have to say I was shocked with the poll that I put up in our story. I put up uh, the remaining eight teams to get a gist of what the crowd felt in terms of who was winning the World Cup or uh, at least making the final. And I was shocked, absolutely shocked, shocked. I can't I can't even express just how shocked I was that the one team, the one nationality uh, that didn't get a vote was France, the reigning champs. There was 47% to Brazil, 24 to Portugal, and 29 to Argentina. Surely there's no partisan there, but you know, we're we're all ready for football to, to be played. I don't even care how you voted. It's the fact that we got an amazing quarterfinals left to go. But regardless, then England got 57% of the votes in my second poll. And uh then 14, 14, and 14 for the other three nations. And I was shocked in case you haven't gotten tired of me saying it already, that France didn't get a vote. I think France is in the top three of teams likely to win this World Cup. I'm guessing a lot of you are feeling confident in England and that they are finally bringing it home. I am not. (laughs) If there is one team that I think besides Morocco and maybe Croatia that is not winning it, I think it's England. Only because it's England and the history of England the current players don't prove to me that they are ready to take it to the next step. But, hey, you win against France, you got a shot. I mean, you're already in the quarterfinals, so you only got to win uh, three more games to be crowned champions. I wouldn't put it past them, but they are not in the top category for me. Uh, but, yeah, the fact that France, the reigning champs, didn't get a single vote surprised me. I don't know how much of that has to do with Benzema going down uh, before the World Cup even started or Nkunku uh, going down as well. But Mbappe is by far the best player in this World Cup so far. And I'm surprised. I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to stop saying that I'm surprised, but I am. But uh, let, let's start with the first game. Let's go in order here. Croatia, Brazil. Brazil are the overwhelming favorites in this matchup because. I think they're better at everything, uh, especially on offense. Uh, They got the better uh, lineup. They got a bench that can probably compete with Croatia just as well as their starting lineup can compete. Let's start off with Croatia. They started off the group by tying Morocco to a nil-nil draw. Uh, Not exciting football there, but considering Morocco has made it this far, I guess that's a pretty impressive uh, feat. You followed that up with a 4-1 to win against Canada. Now, that's a pretty good scoreline for you. Uh, putting up four goals, Croatia, uh, at least in my opinion, hasn't been known as the, this top-notch scoring squad. They're more of uh, being solid football, playing build-up build up ball in order to get maybe one or two goals in the net and then, you know, try to command possession afterwards. 
but that that is your best result yet. And then you got that tie against Belgium, and I don't know how you guys feel about a tie against Belgium, considering that this squad and the Red Devils didn't even get out of the group stage. Nevertheless, it is Belgium. The name is Belgium. You didn't lose to them, so I guess that's a uh, that was good enough to get you out of the group. So. Uh, if you're Croatia, you're going to take that. And then you follow that up with a tie against uh, Japan in the round of 16, who did eliminate Germany with that very crazy uh, ball into the box that was, I, I say, inches still on the line. And VAR has never been needed more than that day. Yeah, you tie Japan 1-1, to and then you beat them in penalties 3-1. to I don't think that this Croatian squad has been tested uh, nearly to the level that they will be tested against Brazil. Brazil recovered Neymar in their last game, which I think was huge for them because if you had a Neymar with cold feet getting into this very important game, you would like to think that Neymar being one of the best players in the world would be ready for the occasion. But with him and his injury pass, uh, I think it was really important to get him back in that last game against South Korea. But uh, Brazil started off by winning 2-0 against Serbia with that great performance by Richarlison. Uh, and followed that up with the win against Switzerland. And then lost against Cameroon in a game that they really didn't take seriously because they had already been guaranteed to move on to the next round of 16. And Brazil got that late goal with uh, uh, the amazing celebrations afterwards with the red card. But that game against South Korea was uh, one of the most dominant performances of this tournament so far. And it's 4-1. to one. It's not the 6-1 to one that Portugal gave to Switzerland or the 7-0 to zero that Spain gave to uh, Costa Rica. Then Neymar followed up with a penalty in the 13th minute, and it was 4-0 to zero in the first half. That game was over before it started, basically. And uh, Son goes home, which is disappointing to all of us uh, neutral fans that love Sonny, but uh brazil put up a great performance there with their best lineup they were not playing any jokes their only challenge is i don't even know i feel like they're they can compete with everyone with their with their lineup i guess their defense they had three center backs playing in the back and then danilo played left back uh in that game against south korea but if you got militao marquinhos and Thiago silva in the back line that is gonna be really hard to break through and having a holding midfielder like Casemiro in front of them, you, you can play 3-4-3 or 3-5-2, and you're not even going to break a sweat. And then you obviously have Fred in, in the, on the bench too. So this Brazil squad has a lot of potential. I see them beating Croatia. It's always going to come to what the teams do on the field. Uh, on paper, you would think that Brazil by a landslide, but I wouldn't be surprised if this game ended Brazil 3-1 against Croatia, uh, that is not the beating that many people may think. Um, I think Croatia is going to play really solid football like they always do, and uh, but it's going to prove to be too much to face this uh, Brazil offense. Now we go to Netherlands-Argentina, and I think this might be the most tight game in this quarterfinal. And you might say England-France, but... Uh, I think in terms of the level that these squads have coming into this game, it is very even. Argentina has not looked convincing at all. And I'm not saying that from the uh, Messi hater fan, uh, standpoint. I'm not a Messi hater. I I'm a very realistic person. Messi is having a really good 
World Cup so far. But aside from him, this team is not giving him the help that he needs. De Jong is playing really good in the midfield. Um, they did beat the USA, and um, the USA played really good. Give them credit. Uh, they just don't have that finishing force that they needed to move on. And uh, that is always going to be a difficult uh, task to bear playing against this Netherlands defense, which is one of the best defenses I've seen on paper, at least, in recent memory. When you have Van Dyke and Ake in the back with Dumfries in the, on the wing with Danny Blinn, a veteran, and then you got Delight on the bench with DeVridge? DeVry? I, I'm never going to get that name right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but on paper, the players that this Netherlands squad has on defense is like rock solid. They're, they have a wall back there that is going to be very difficult to penetrate. And they're playing good team football. They're not playing um, this kind of Brazil offense that they're going to push forward every chance they get. Uh, but you wouldn't expect that to. Brazil is a unique case as a nation. But if you get the Netherlands on a fast break with Gagpo ready on the front and Depay, who Depay has, was important in that game against the U.S., if you have those two in form, the Netherlands honestly have a fair shot to beat Argentina because Messi isn't going to do everything for you, especially at this stage in his career. They weren't that convincing against Australia. After they put those two goals in the net, Australia had a chance in, at, in those extra, those long extra times that they're giving in this World Cup, which is kind of crazy. I, I don't think I've ever seen a case of getting nine plus minutes or eight minutes consistently across all games. But uh, Australia had a chance to tie that game and send it into extra time. But aside from Messi and Enzo Fernandez, who is doing pretty solid on, on this team, who else is standing out? I don't think uh, uh, other players are standing out for this uh, Argentina squad, especially not that Paul, who has been a meme as Messi's bodyguard, but on the field, he has not been providing much offense at all. And Di Maria is on the bench. You have Correa. I guess he's out of form. I don't know why they're not playing him that much. Uh, Lautaro Martinez comes into the game against Australia and had a, a blue fest. It, it was not pretty to watch. It was like, it reminds me of what Lukaku did in that Belgium game that could have moved them forward. And he got clowned for that performance. But, Argentina started off the World Cup with that being a part of history with that incredible upset by Saudi Arabia and two great goals. I don't think they're giving enough credit for the great goals that they scored in Argentina. And they followed up with a good 2-0 win against Mexico, a good 2-0 win against Poland. You know, they edged Australia. Uh, Australia was in that game uh, as soon as they scored that goal off of uh, Enzo Fernandez. So... In this game, I think Argentina is still going to win. They're going to find a way to get Messi open. Or Messi's going to find a way to find somebody else open. He's going to give the assist. But I think uh, I think I heard uh, Van Gaal, the coach of the Netherlands, talk about the counter-offense, uh, counter-attack offense of Argentina and these other nations uh, left in the World Cup. So it, it leads me to believe that he's going to plan a way to put as many men on Messi as he can, which is dangerous when you're playing against 
someone who can create as many plays as Messi can. But I think that considering if they can lock down Messi, they can lock down Argentina, considering the fact that the rest of the squad has been laying an egg, aside from Enzo Fernandez, and a, a bit of... Uh, now let's go to the Morocco and Portugal game, and this game is interesting on a lot of levels. And of course, you have to start with Morocco with the great World Cup that they're having so far. They start off with that draw against Croatia and followed that up with the 2-0 win against Belgium. Then they beat Canada 2-1. And then they beat Spain in penalty kicks after a scoreless draw in regulation and extra time. And when you see those penalties and you see Bono and that net take up the whole net, it, it, it's, if, the, if Portugal sends this game into penalty kicks, they're in trouble. Um, because Bono, even from the last World Cup, has impressed me as a keeper. He, he, him and that Iran goalkeeper, they draw my attention because they're big and long, and they protect the net really well, especially in penalty kicks. So I think against any nation that they face, they're going to be a threat. But Ziyech, we've heard, uh, I'm sure you've all heard the stories of him retiring and then coming back because he fell out of place with the last manager of Morocco. And now he's having a great World Cup. Hakimi is having an amazing World Cup as well. Uh, and then they're just playing by committee, you know. They have some other big-name players like Saiz in the back and Amrabat and, and Nesri, Bufal. They have, they have a good team of maybe players that you don't think of. But then when you see them play on the field, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. That guy can play. And I think what... Spain lacked is what a lot of nations lack nowadays is that one offensive threat that if Morata was in form, maybe he could have been, but he's not. And he, I, I, I wasn't a fan of that front three that Spain brought uh, into this game with Dani Olmo, Asensio, and Ferran Torres because there's no one clear forward there. And they did that by design, like what uh, uh, Spain used to do back in the day with Iniesta, Xavi, and, and Villa, and uh, Fabregas, what they used to do. But this team is just not cut out for that. And then you have Busquets, Pedri, and Gabi in the mid. We obviously know Jose Enrique, the Barcelona coach, uh, picking this team. And I don't even think that's that big of a problem as much as their offensive threat were. And then having Rodri in the back with Llorente, uh, those are guys that usually play in the mid. Or I don't know if Llorente has played more uh, right back with Atletico, but those aren't defenders by nature. So I, I really didn't like this lineup that Spain put out. And they have good defenders in the in the bench with like Paul Torres and Cesar Espiliqueta, who captains Chelsea in his position. And then, obviously, Danny Carvajal, who is my personal favorite. But even if you don't go that route, you have other options. I don't think that they that Spain put their best men. Uh, I don't think that the manager put them in the best position to play in this game. But nevertheless, you got to give credit on Morocco for pulling off the upset. And you now you wonder if Morocco has enough to take down this Portugal offense who hammered Switzerland 6-1. to one. I didn't see that coming. I saw maybe a three to one win with Ronaldo playing a big part in that. But everyone was shocked to see that Ronaldo started this game on the bench. 
And I, I'm upset about that as a Ronaldo fan, but obviously in hindsight, when you see the result, when you see Ramos have the hat-trick that he had, and it was a good hat-trick, it's not like he was lucky with any of those tapping goals. They were really good goals. Um, I feel like Ronaldo wouldn't be benched in this point of his career if Manchester United didn't start that trend with uh, their manager over there. I don't think Santos, the manager of Portugal, would have had the guts to bench Ronaldo in a huge game like that if it wasn't already a precedent that was set before him by Manchester United, who's going through their own <laughs> circus right now. But going back to Portugal, this game was exactly what you wanted from a Portugal uh, standpoint. The fact that you can put six goals on a good, um, solid team like Switzerland, uh, who I like to watch, I'd never expected this because even if you thought Switzerland wasn't going to win this game, you would imagine that they would have made it competitive, and it was not competitive from the start. It was 2-0 at halftime, and then the goals just got piling up in the second half. And I feel like this might be Milan bias now, but also it's not even a bias when you see the results. Leal should be starting in this next game. If you don't put Ronaldo in, all right, whatever. Bench him in the second half and see if he gives you a, a surge for goals because it doesn't look like you're going to put a lot of goals behind Morocco anyway. But I think Leal would be pivotal for this offense. And I think Jao Felix is setting this team back a lot just from he is a from what I've seen in this World Cup at least. I don't see a lot of Atletico Madrid games uh, uh, unless they're on – you know, on national TV. But Jao Felix is so selfish with some of these these shots that he takes in games. When there's clear men uh, open, I think there was a Bruno Fernandez situation. If it wasn't this game, it was the one before it. Switching Jao Felix, who's currently playing left wing for Liao, who was more of a left winger, would be perfect for this squad. And I think aside from that, Otavio had an awful game in one of these early group stage matches. And I wanted him the hell out of that lineup, and I didn't want him to come back in. But um, he didn't hold back Portugal in that game against Switzerland. So um, if that works for you, then if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You can have that same mentality about Felix. uh, But considering uh, uh, that Liao comes in as a sub and scores, um, he scored twice as a sub already. I think Portugal would benefit from his presence in the starting lineup. And I personally would start Ronaldo, but coming off the result that they did against Switzerland, the fact that it was this convincing of a win, I wouldn't hate the move, or at least I'd understand it more if they do start with Ramos in this game. But I, I think I'd give the edge to Portugal in another tight match. Uh, I say a 2-1 or 2-0 Portugal. I just think that that game is exactly what they needed going into this this uh, quarterfinals matchup with Morocco, being that Morocco doesn't hasn't given up a lot of goals, and that they can use that momentum to force in those goals into the net by any means necessary. So I give the edge to Portugal there. <clears throat> and then the last game is England France, and this is uh, maybe the most exciting game out of the ones remaining because. Some people had England taking it home, uh, the World Cup, and some people had France repeating as champions. 
and now unfortunately they got to face early but uh we as fans are up for a huge game to see who comes out on top there's a good chance that whoever wins this game wins the whole thing let's start with the england side of things they've been really good so far really good they started off with that 6-2 shellacking of iran and i was like wow okay let's see if they can keep it up and then they followed that up with a 0-0 draw to the u.s which i think says more about the u.s than england because the u.s play with a lot of heart in this world cup and that's from an unbiased perspective they they were really they actually could have won that game. They were playing really well, a solid football, but again, they couldn't find the back of the net. The three Lions move on to Wales and give them a 3-0 shellacking as well. And though it ran the 16, they gave another shellacking to the Senegal, another 3-0 win. So the English side has shown that they can both score uh, multiple goals in a game aside from the U.S. game. But they can also uh, not give up goals. Their last three games have gone um, allowing zero goals in the net. Only Iran scored two goals and goals that didn't even matter anymore at that point. So England, ha- it seems like they have the formula to win, right? They give you that sense uh, with Saka having a great World Cup so far. Harry Kane doing his part as, a, as their number one forward. And then Phil Foden, I think. Wow. I haven't had time to like digest that front three, but that front three is amazing. It's probably as good as it gets from an English perspective in uh, the Premier League, having three players who are all in form right now, two wingers who do exactly what you need them to do, dribble like crazy, get past the first defender, and being capable of putting that ball into the box for Kane for a header or first-time finish. Or they can score on their own too, as they've already shown, especially Saka so far in this World Cup. And then Bellingham is playing amazing so far in this World Cup. I again I, I troll Barca fans that he shows once he showed once again why he's better than Gavi and why he deserved that Copa, which was a robbery in my eyes. But he's played amazing. Declan Rice has played really well. He's done his role to the T. And then Jordan Henderson comes off of scoring against Senegal, and that's great. That's what you need from your players. It seems like everyone on this uh, front six from England is contributing. And again, that defensive line has not allowed a lot of goals, even having Maguire in the back. Maguire for England is a different Maguire for Manchester United. And it's really impressive to see England. If it wasn't England with their history, I'd give them a higher chance. But Let's also not forget that they're also facing France, who is having a great World Cup on their own. And they started off with a 4-1 win against Australia and then beat Denmark 2-1. And then lost to Tunisia, which I put in the same category as that Brazil game against, I think, Cameroon, where they, you know, they gave up that game because it didn't matter as much to them at that point. And then they rebound with a 3-1 win against Poland, uh, Lewandowski goes home. Uh, the only day Lewandowski scored in the ninth in extra time of the second half. So that's basically as a three zero game if it wasn't for the penalty that they gave up. So not only is France having a great World Cup so far on their own, but Mbappe is having the best World Cup out of everybody. Uh, a lot has been said about the records he set so far at his young age. 
scoring just as many goals as uh, Ronaldo, I think, or he passes Ronaldo, and he scored as much as Messi at their age. So if Mbappe continues to be in form, we also had Giroud overtaking the go Terry Henry as the uh, the highest goal scorer in France history. So they have a lot of offense to work with there. And then Bella and Griezmann and Rabio Chouamani is playing solid in the midfield. They have a midfield locked up. I think that they have a great chance of beating England. Their defensive line is also really great with Conde, Verani, and Upamecano, Teo Hernandez, and taking sub in their defense, their defense on the bench, and still be just as good. I think this game is going to come down to the midfield. If England has their midfield in order over France, they may win this game. But I think France's uh, front three or front four is better, is just a smidgen better than England's because. You, the star power is there. The star power is there for England, like I already mentioned, but the fact that France has Dembele, Griezmann, and Mbappe, and Giroud, who are all capable of taking the game into their hands and scoring, I feel like their their attack is, is, is just, it just edges England. And if their attack is in form in this game, then France will win. But if their midfield is playing so much behind England, I think that England can sneak ahead. So I feel like this game may end like 3-2 to two France. It's going to be a great competitive game. At least I hope so. Uh, I didn't expect uh, Portugal to end Switzerland's life like that. But for us fans, we're going to enjoy this regardless of who goes on. We all love an underdog story like we've had plenty of in this World Cup so far. Right now, I have all the favorites moving on, but that can easily change by the time they step onto the field. These teams are all well-proven, capable of winning this World Cup. I think uh, maybe Morocco, no, but you never know how far they're going to go considering that nobody had them here at this point anyway. So I think Brazil is going to move on. Argentina is going to move on. Portugal and then France. And then from there, we have an even more amazing show. And I will be here to cover that as well. So I hope we all enjoyed this weekend of games. They're all going to be great. And regardless of who moves on, we are all going to be anxious waiting for the next round. And I hope you're going to be here tuning in so that we can talk about it on Sports Today with Francis. So thank you all for tuning in today. And let's enjoy some football, everybody. Goodbye.